Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. Thank you so much, Jenny, and welcome everyone back to another episode of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. I'm your co-host, Jason Anthoin. During the day, I run a firm called Audacity. We help companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. Uh, You can find out more about that at thinkaudacity.com. And joined, as always, by co-host Madeline Temple. Madeline. Thanks, Jason. I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. In my day job, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. Head to thecollectiveidentity.com to find out more. All righty. So on our last episode, uh, we talked about uh, good bosses, Uh, good bosses that we have had and good bosses that we've just heard of, Uh, and specifically what they did that made them stand out in such a positive way. Um, So it seemed only fair for this episode that we give equal time to employees. Uh, What are the positive things that they do that really make the lives of those around them so much better. So last week, good bosses. This week, good employees. It, this whole topic reminded me that a few years ago, I sat in on an alumni panel at my business school. And we were talking to the incoming class of MBA students about what we wish we had known in business school before we went out into the big, bad workforce. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about topics like marketing or business strategy or technical skills, but actually the soft skills. Mm. And what was so funny about this particular panel was we were all, it kind of just coalesced into this whole, guys, it's not about all of those skills that you're going to business school for. They're important, right? They're what get you your job, but it's very unlikely that that's what helps you keep your job. In fact, the best part, the best way to keep your job is, is these soft skills. Yeah. And so we're talking about what we wish we had known. And some of the things that I'm about to say, I just have to put the caveat on that we're going to assume in each case, or at least for me, that you have a good relationship with the person you work, you work for, right? Mm-hmm. If not, maybe this will help. So, but what makes for a good employee? And I'm going to say number one, numero uno on my list, it's the joy you bring. Mm, I love that. Also known as the airport consulting test. But the backstory to this whole thing about the joy you bring, okay? I was working at a company where we were going through a lot of change. A lot, a lot, a lot of change. It wasn't a particularly pretty time or a great time to be there. And to cope... I sort of felt like there were two ways that I could lessen the stress of it all. One perhaps was to drink a bottle of wine at night. (laughs) You know, why not? Now, the other one was to take an improv class. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Chicago, we have Second City here, which is a huge, huge improv force and comedy club. Amazing. So I figured the latter, the improv class, might help me deal with some of the very strange conversations that would had I noticed were popping up in the workplace. So 
Although now that I think about it, I think the bottle of wine actually could have helped too with those. <laughs> but anyway, I took the improv class. And an unexpected learning from this class was this phrase, the joy you bring. And that really stopped me in my tracks because what is the joy I bring to a scene we're doing, to a workplace conversation, to a meeting? How do I participate? And in improv, what, what they talk about is you have to take what's thrown at you in a scene and go with it. You have to run with it. You can't judge it. You can't say, that's stupid. You can't not do it. You have mm -hmm. to go with the scene. And that's what you do. And so I kind of thought, well, the, what's the joy I bring to work? Yeah. And more importantly, when I walk into a room, when you as an employee walk into a room, are people happy to see you? Do they know that you're going to bring joy, mm -hmm. that you're going to make their lives easier? And I got to say, that just stopped me. It kind of went, what's the joy I bring? And likewise, it kind of reminded me of the airport test. And so in the world of consulting, I did management consulting right after business school. In the world of consulting, the airport test is if you were stuck in an airport for six hours waiting for your flight, mm. do you want to hang out with this person? <laughs> That's a great test. Right. Do you want to hang out with your, that person? And that's what this is about, because over the course of a career, I promise you, at some point, your name is going to be mentioned in a room because there's going to be a merger. There's going to be a spinoff. There's going to be a layoff and your name is going to come up in a room. And as long as you're doing good enough with your job, people are really going to say, do I like working with this person? Do I like seeing them? So the best advice I can say to anybody is, are people happy to see you when you walk into the room and what's the joy you bring? So that's my number one. Oh, I love that. That's that's fantastic. You know, in, in my consulting business, I say that all the time to people who ask me how I do what I do, which is clients, you know, they're not buying services. They're not buying products. They're not buying even, you know, expertise. What they're buying is process and chemistry. And of those two, chemistry is the most important thing. And so that goes right back to that whole point around joy. And it's just this kind of person that you would want to spend six hours with at an airport. So I love that. That's a great story. Um, all right. So my first one, um, just like on our last episode, I named names. I'll name names this time, but only first names. Um, um, my first well, one that comes to mind. Name in mind was Madeline. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so the first person that comes to mind for me, um, is a woman who worked uh, uh, on my corporate communications team named Kirsten. Uh, she was young in her career, maybe two, three years tops. Um, most of that time had been spent um, in the agency world. Uh, and now she was working uh, in corporate communications and specifically internal communications for a manufacturing company. So totally different from anything um, that she had, had done before, um, but was very sharp, you know, good writer and great project management skills, all those sort of hard skills uh, that you learn in school. But the thing that I think differentiated her uh, was despite her age, she just had an insatiable desire to understand how this business works. And, you know, when you think about employee communications and internal comms, those employees are your customers. And she would spend an inordinate amount of time talking with employees, walking out in the manufacturing environment, um, 
spending time in the break room in the cafeteria, just learning more from the employee's perspective about that business. And so whenever she had meetings with managers and leaders, she was able to immediately build trust and rapport with them because she truly understood those employees and, and the business. And I thought that was an amazing skill for her to have, particularly, you know, despite her age and maybe even, you know, what people might think her sort of uh, entry-level title might be, you know, despite all of that, she had a, a really great outlook and it was really focused on just understanding more about the business and, and the people who work there. And that makes such a huge difference because then it turns into, okay, I understand why you're saying what you're saying or why you're having us do what we're doing because I understand what the goal is. I understand what we're aiming for here. That's right. And when the leader says, oh, here's what I think we're going to need to do, how do you think that's going to resonate? She can say, well, I talked with John and Scott and Sally out on the on the production line in this one facility, and I know this is exactly what they think about that. That has a lot more credence to it than just, oh, here's what I read in a in a book or Here's what I heard on a webinar. You know, that's direct input straight from the mouths of employees. And that's so valuable. It really is. Yeah. So that takes me to my next one. So it is the guts to ask for help, or at least to no one to ask for help. (laughs) (laughs) So I admit this one depends on the organization and the boss you work for. Mm -hmm. It takes the right positioning as in, you either need to be known as someone who knows what they're doing, gets things done, so that when you're asking, there is, let's pay attention to this, what's going on, right? Or you're new to an organization and you're allowed to ask questions. But the caveat on that is the questions can't be about how you do something related to your job if you were hired with the expectation you already have that skill set, right? Because then it turns into, uh, what you don't know how to do your job. What I'm talking about is the guts to ask for help when it comes to, you know, in many ways, the softer skills I was talking about before. For instance, how do you navigate this conversation? How do you deal with this tough issue with the man or the woman in this other division who's Mm -hmm. blocking you from getting work through, right? What's the politics behind it? How do you navigate that? And in instances like that, it actually makes you look good to ask for help. It's not a weakness. Now, again, I admit this can depend on the person you work for. Mm -hmm. It can depend on the culture. But when I've been in instances where I've had people say to me, how do I, how do I navigate this? They're not coming to me because they don't have a solution. They've tried various things. They're running up against a wall and they're willing to say, I'm having a problem with this. Yeah, that's great. I love it because, you know, that shows a level of self-awareness and empathy and, and just being totally transparent with folks, with all of all of which everyone appreciates, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's a great example. All right. So example number two for me uh, is a woman named Heather um, in a previous life uh, had a small uh, agency and Heather uh, was one of the um, client leads there. And I let people pick whatever title it is they wanted to have. And so she picked Director of Client Happiness. And so immediately that told me she truly understands what it is that her job is here. Um, Because of any title, you know, she could say, I want to be SVP or I'd like to be queen of the world. What What she came up with was something that the clients themselves would appreciate 
Um, and so the other aspect uh, about what she brought uh, to the organization was she was very fluid and was really able to quickly roll with changes as they happened. Uh, when you're in sort of that client lead position, it's like being in an air traffic control uh, role where there's planes landing, there's planes taking off, there's things circling around, and you don't know what any of those things are going to do on any given day or hour. And as those things change, you've got to be able to change and be fluid as well. And so she was just a master at that um, and was a great role model for others uh, in the firm as well about how to be client focused and to be very flexible about what it is that we're doing to deliver that client happiness. Um, because so much of that is totally out of our control. Um, but how we react to it uh, is what matters the most to those clients. And, and that she taught me a lot of lessons around that as well. So yeah, I just think the world of Heather. She's fantastic. What were the reactions to fellow colleagues when they heard her title? <laughs> they all said, hey, can I get some new business cards printed? Because I want to <laughs> upgrade my title to something that's a little more creative and fun like that. So she, she had a way of impacting everybody else in the organization and clients as well. Because when you first were telling me this, my reaction was, oh, no, not, not one of these. And I, was, I, I really did go to the titles where you're, you see something like Rockstar Ninja. And right. I have issues with those. <laughs> I, I'm sure that surprises you, but when so when you first said director of happiness, I went seriously. But then I thought, actually, that's brilliant because any client, kind happiness, any client that sees that automatically knows. Yes, they're front and center. Well, the the other part of that story is. You know, I'm accredited uh, by the Public Relations Society of America, and it took a while to go through that, and there's a whole process. And so I changed my cards while I was there, and everybody there was, uh-huh, you got APR after your name, and were, you know, kind of teasing me about it. And she goes, that's fascinating. Uh, and about three weeks later, we went to a client meeting, and she handed out her cards, and after her name, she had put FMW. I didn't know she had done this. She just went and got some printed and handed those out. And I'm handing mine out. And they were like, what is APR? Oh, I'm accredited in public relations. And they asked her, what is FMW? And she said, I'm a freaking miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> we immediately got the business right there and then. As soon as she said that statement, you're hired. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> I don't know this woman, but I love her. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, she segues really incredibly well into my third and last piece of advice for employees to be that star employee. Guess what? Be willing to tackle new things to learn new things. Right. And so this came up directly from a friend of mine and she was talking to a direct report. This person wanted to be promoted. And while they had done a really good job during the year, certainly done a satisfactory job, there was nothing stellar that merited a promotion aside from, okay, maybe you've been here five years, but so she gave them an opportunity to take on a new challenge within their group. Now this challenge was something way beyond this person's skill set, And it wasn't even necessarily related to, to their specific area of work. She was aware of that. Right. And what I, I need everybody to know about this person is she was willing to give them a lot of leeway, right? Her expectations weren't, sky high in terms of what they needed to achieve. But the person declined the opportunity 
because as they said, I don't have any experience in the area and, and they just, they refuse to even risk failure. And as I said, to be fair to my friend, she wouldn't have actually penalized the person if they had tried their hardest or things hadn't gone to plan because there was no plan. But she was so dismayed that this person was too scared to learn something, to gain new skills. And I, when I heard the story, I just thought, you were given an opportunity to fly, to actually set yourself aside, to really make mm-hmm. it for yourself. Maybe it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't. But you actually wouldn't have been penalized if it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Tackle new things. Do it. That's right. <clears throat> and I love the way, you know, as soon as you learn a new thing, then you can see how most things are just interconnected. And so you might be in corp comms and you learn a little bit about marketing. You might be in marketing and you learn a little bit about IT. You might be in IT and you learn a little bit about, you know, how plastic bottles are made. And then you begin to see all these threads are all interconnected and they just build one on top of the other and they're not separate, distinct things. And that just makes you a better person and certainly a better employee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So my third one, I'm going to reach way back, all the way back to when I was in uh, grade school uh, and high school. A friend of mine named Thomas um, is uh, a fantastic person when it comes to someone who is able to see the best in other people and then bring that out. Um, His uh, his career... um, uh, official career is uh, on the human resources side of things. Um, but on the side, he has a uh, an unusual business. He is a pageant consultant. So if you want to be in the Miss Georgia, or Miss South Carolina, or, or Miss America, he helps you do that. Helps you identify your talent, helps you figure out what your how to answer the questions the right way, poise, confidence, you know, all the things that everybody's looking for. And um, when some of us found that out, we were like, hey, uh, you're just from a small southern town. And, you know, what the heck do you know about anything around this? Um, But he did. He knew everything about it just innately. There's no school to go to to learn how to do any of that. He just knew and he knew how to bring the best out um, in these in these pageants. Uh, contestants, so much so that about three years ago, might have been five years ago, in the Miss uh, America pageant, you know, they always pick the top five. He had three of the top five no who, were his, who were his clients, including the ultimate winner uh, for the Miss America pageant. Three out of the top five. And he's so humble about it. And he's so just, you know, I can help. And yes, right now it's about being in a pageant, but really what it's about is making you a, a healthier and happier human being. And the, the way that he does that and, and the reasons why he does is just, it's inspiring to me, you know, especially considering, you know, his upbringing, no, nobody in our small little town ever thought anybody would ever even think about doing something like that. He just does it naturally. And it's absolutely amazing to me. So I understand this is his passion and, and I'm genuinely not making fun of it. I, I mm-hmm. think that's phenomenal, but I'm, or I should say, and I'm looking, I'm hearing this and thinking, why doesn't he just set up his own business? Because this is what coaching business coaching is. This is right. what getting a job is all about. And right. I understand this is his passion. He's not doing, or I'm assuming he's not doing it for great loads of money. And I'm sitting here going, 
oh my god, did you realize what you could do with this skill? <laughs> well, I think there are a fairly uh, nice size loads of money uh, involved. But again, you know, nobody's going to be on the Forbes richest list, you know, with, with that kind of a, a role. But what is interesting to me is that during his day job in human resources, that's what he does. Yeah, exactly. And he loves it. He loves doing it, and he's effective doing that within, you know, that type of corporate environment. But he clearly understands that he's capable of so much more, and this is how um, he, he's able to sort of scratch that itch and, and okay, just, not, not have to choose one or the other. He can do both. Okay, I'm just telling you now he's coming on to our show, and I'm going to leave. <laughs> he, he is amazing. He is an amazing human being. Well, I'm going to leave it at that, but – you have now heard both Jason and me give you ideas for how you can be a better employee. And it's so easy, right? So, you know, especially in a world where you may no longer see colleagues in person or mentoring, have that mentor be out the door, who knows? But we all say we'd never do X as an employee. And sometimes we find ourselves breaking the rules. So that's right. Here are our top three ways to do less bad when it comes to being a great employee. My top one has to be bring the joy, bring the joy with you so that people are happy to see you when you walk in the door. Excellent. I would say number two for me is be courageous. Learn that thing you don't know about. Go out and talk to those employees out in the break room. Strike out on your own and help um, women win pageants that are uh, important to them. Whatever that is, figure out how you can bring courage to that uh, opportunity. And your number. And then, yeah, and then the third one for me is it's all around sort of unleashing your curiosity. You know, you can't just be satisfied with what is all the time. You have to constantly be imagining what if. What if we did this differently? What if we tried this new thing? What if we um, <clears throat> went into it in a totally different direction? And the only way you can imagine those things is to be naturally curious about anything that is involved with that. And so to me, you know, unleashing that curiosity and tying it to being courageous and bringing the joy uh, are excellent ways uh, to conduct yourself, not just at work, but, you know, in your whole life. So I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, this has been fun. I really like this episode. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening uh, and certainly for all of your comments and suggestions that we've received you can keep sending those to us over social and email and smoke signals. And if you've got an old Western Union telegram you'd like to send us, that'd be fine, too. Um, you can also head over to dolessbad.com or reach out uh, on Twitter or Instagram at do underscore less underscore bad. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be talking to you again in two weeks. Until then, remember, doing good can be as simple as doing less bad of anything. Jenny, take us out. You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad.